Hey, come on, turn to somebody, give them a high five. Welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. Pumped you are with us on this day. Come on. Thank you, thank you, sir. Let's go, buddy. Let's go, Matt Kolb. Love you. We're just getting ready for our high fives for tomorrow night for our volleyball victories. That's all. Come on. Everyone's laughing at us, but yet we won last year. It's amazing. Anyways, hey. Come on, welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. Excited that you are with us today. Whether you are here online, on the radio, we are rolling, and we are pumped that you are with us today. First Sunday in June, juiced about seek tonight. It's going to be great. Come on. Hey, uh, if you would turn me to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3, we are in our series, The Marks of a Mature Believer. Time to get off the milk and onto the meat. Come on, we need to build disciples and be strong in the Word, be strong in our time of prayer, be strong in the words that we speak. Like these are all marks of the mature believer. And today I am excited to preach on eternal life. The marks of a mature believer is this, that we handle death differently. We handle death differently. Those who are mature in Christ have an understanding of death, have an understanding of of eternal life, have an understanding of life is short here and then comes forever. So we're going to talk about that, and we're excited. So come on, turn with me, please, Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we are a Bible church, man. We love the Word of God. We love Jesus Christ, and we believe the Bible is the authority of who we are here on the earth as God put himself on page that we may know him. And I'm just going to address this right up front. Um, I think churches need to address things like this. As you know, this is um, June, and um, LGBTQ has hijacked this month, and they've hijacked the rainbow. And uh, this is their month that they can uh, just dance in the streets in America. We've given them a whole month to showcase their sin. And uh, I'm just going to be brief. If you're part of Believer's Chapel, you know our stance. We believe the Word of God. It's not complicated. For those who are online, for those who are on the radio, for those who are here, you're a visitor or whatnot, you need to know, Believer's Chapel, we're Bible people. We believe God Almighty in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And on day six, he created male and female. That is two genders. It's not complicated. Male and female, right? Uh, He created marriage for a husband and for a wife to have sons and daughters that are brother and sister, that have mothers and fathers. Guess what? The whole book, the whole Bible is a Bible of two genders, male and female. It's not complicated, right? It's not complicated. God created you to be a male from, from the beginning of time, from the foundations of the earth. God knew, God knows all things. He knows all things. He knew that you were going to be born either male or you were going to be born female for his purpose and for his plan, right? If you uh, got the feels and you think that you're a female, but yet you were born biologically a male, you are confused and you are mocking God. God created you a man or a male for his purpose and for his plan. For you to flip that around and say, I think God made a mistake. Well, I say, I think you're mocking God. So this is just not, it's just so simple. It's not complicated. And if people say, well, that's just not how I feel. Well, you can ignore the obvious if you'd like to. Like, seriously, this is how, how crazy this has become. Is people want to ignore the obvious of creation. It's the most simple, simple thing to just see if I'm man or if I'm woman. It's not complicated. And when you give sin, watch this now, please hear me. When you give sin just a little bit, it stays hungry and it keeps eating. When you open the door to sin, it's just going to stay hungry and it's going to keep eating. Here in America, which was founded on the Word of God, 
right? We see such a serious, deep, dark spiritual decay. And, and we know that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against a very real spiritual power that hates man and he hates children. And when you understand that Satan, he hates mankind, anything made in his image, which is, guess what? Man and woman, both equal value, equal worth, made in the image of God. So when you understand that, Satan hates that. And he's doing everything in his power to destroy that image and bring such great confusion on something that is just so simple. It's really not complicated. It's really not complicated. And when you have to stand firm that, no, the Bible says very clearly, male and female, the Bible says very clearly that a man needs to be with a woman and a woman needs to be with a man. Anything outside of that is immoral and it is sin. The Bible is very clear that when you were born a man, God has a purpose and plan for you as a dude. And when you're born a female, a lady, God has a purpose and plan for you as a lady. Anything outside of that, now you're mocking God. And the Bible is very clear. Do not be deceived. God is not going to be mocked. You will weep, reap what you sow. So this is where we stand on this. We're not going to hit it off. We do hit it enough that you know exactly where we're standing. We're not going to get into it uh, every single week during this month. Heck no. Uh, this is who we are. I believe this. When it comes to the rainbow, if there's any church that's hanging a rainbow or any business hanging a rainbow in support of sin, you've got to identify it in your spirit to say, man, you're identifying with sin and you're, and you're affirming and you're, and you're okaying sin. And that's not okay. Church, people need Jesus. We're supposed to repent from sin and turn from him. Jesus Christ came and he died for the sake of sin. By no means can we support it, affirm it, or think that it's a good idea, right? So any church, particularly, that's hanging a flag, man, that is a church that is led by man and not by Christ. Christ is not the head of that church. They are not Bible-driven. They are man-driven to appease people. So that is not uh, anything that we are a part of in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we love people. We want people to come to truth, and we want people to repent from sin and turn to a loving God who loved them so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for them. And don't ever forget the rainbow was God's idea, not theirs, right? It's amazing they call it Pride Month, right? It's amazing that they put their pride first and pride comes before a fall. That's just stunning to me. Don't miss, don't miss how arrogant Satan is that he just pushes it right in your face on that sense of pride. Don't miss that, right? And the rainbow was truly God's idea. It was a promise and a covenant that God would never flood the earth again like he did. But please hear this. It is a reminder that he did. Don't miss that. God judged sin. And when you look at the rainbow, it is a covenant that God's not going to flood the earth again, but it's a reminder that he could and that he is going to judge again, but it's going to be by fire. So listen, when you, when you have this understanding, please, this is where we're at. It's a simple month. Outside of that, we're probably not going to hit it too much just because uh, we're just believe the Bible and we're just going to move forward from there and people need Jesus. And come on, you ready for the message? You with me? Come on, amen. Here we go. Come on, Colossians 3. Here we go, 11 o'clock. Here we go, Colossians 3. We're going to look at this again. We're going to look at eternal life. We're going to have that marks of a mature believer. Man, what is it to be growing in our faith? What is it to be getting off the milk and onto the meat? What is it to be a meat eater? Right? I want to be a meat eater, man. I want to understand the word and I want to soak the word in. I want to chew on it like meat and I want to grow in the sense of meat. It's time to get off the milk and onto the meat. And what is it to build disciples? What is it to bring discipleship in? We need to be growing and building disciples here at Believer's Chapel. We want to get into the word. We want to obey the word and we want to grow in our faith. Last week, this is what we said last week. There's three types, right? There's the unsaved. There's the newly saved that are immature. 
And then there's the mature believer that are continuing to grow, right? The immature believer is looking to grow and continues to grow. And then there's the mature believer that never reaches the end, but continues to grow in their maturity. The unsaved uh, are unsaved. And then when you get saved, you got, man, I got a lot to learn. I got a lot to grow. I want to mature in my faith. I want to recognize sin is sin. I want to recognize the words coming out of my mouth. I gotta, and we go into this maturity growth pattern, right? Off the milk and onto the meat. And we want to be mature believers with marks that follow a mature believer. With marks that follow a mature believer. And one of those marks is this. As as a mature believer, we handle death differently. Listen, the Bible says when one dies, and, and you know, unfortunately, recently, we've had, we've had several young truly young and too young in the sense of going home to be with Jesus. In our minds, we would say they were too young. Um, and that is truly tragic and unfortunate and broken. And we grieve and we cry and we have sorrow and, and we hurt. But as a mature believer, we, we don't go through all of that without this beautiful piece of hope, without this beautiful true biblical understanding of I get to handle this differently because I know what the Bible says. I'm a mature believer when it comes to absent from this body is to be home with the Lord. I know that. I'm mature in that. And when I see that, I can handle death differently. We grieve, but it's not as those who have no hope. That's a beautiful piece to our faith, right? And I just want to take a side note to welcome Mr. Tim Burris and Crystal Burris. Tim Burris had a, a medical issue uh, almost, I mean, for many months ago, in last September, and he, they had been battling and they had been fighting and they had been going through it medically. And uh, they are in the house this morning for the first time in a very long time. Can we say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, we love, love Tim and Crystal and the kids, and we're just excited. Honestly, love you guys. Pumped that you guys are with us, man. Love you so dearly, and I'm glad that God is continuing to do a work, and um, it's, it's amazing. Come on, so good. Come on, Colossians 3 says this. I love this. And what happens when you, when you understand, I got to set my mind. I'm either setting my mind on things here or things there. What do you think the mature believer does? Watch this. Come on. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed in his glory. Watch this. I'll read this again. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking. Underline that. Highlight that. Keep seeking. Keep Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, seek and set, seek and set. Circle that. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died. You got to understand something. This is speaking not of a physical death. This is speaking of a spiritual death, right? We actually... Uh, die spiritually. We understand sin equals death. So... Uh, all mankind are dead spiritually until they come to the realization of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I need to repent from my sin, believe in Jesus, and turn my life over to him and surrender my life to him. Until that really takes place in that born again moment, we realize death, right? Sin equals death. We're all spiritually dead until we have that awakening moment with Jesus Christ. This is speaking of that spiritual death. 
He's not speaking to a crowd that had physically died. That would make no sense. He's speaking to those who have the understanding there is a spiritual death and then there is a physical death that also leads to eternal life. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, that's talking about that being born again. Have you been raised up with Christ? Keep seeking. For those who are in Christ, for those who are believers, this is our call. Right? If you know that you are in Christ and you know that you're born again, he tells us that we are to keep seeking. Unfortunately, the most times that we actually think about heaven or eternal life is most likely at a funeral. Right? Those are the most times that people actually think of forever and think of eternal life. But here, we as believers, a part of the mark of mature believer, we are keep seeking, keep pursuing, keep going after the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And church, do you know what Christ is doing right now seated at the right hand of God? He's interceding for me and you. That's amazing to know. That does something to your soul and to your spirit to know Christ, who is seated in that authoritative place, that honored place of the right hand of God, which when you see him seated, it means a work has been completed. That's what that would mean. But in that work being completed here on the earth, he is interceding on behalf of you and I. That's amazing. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, is praying on my behalf, interceding for me. Like when you get this picture, keep seeking the things above because the things are above where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. We know that what he is doing is interceding for you and I. That's amazing. Come on, verse two, set your mind. Seek and set. We are called to fix. The word set, it means to fix or to establish. Fix your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. How hard is that to do when you're scrolling all day and you look at your screen time and it's rolling up into the hours and you're looking at Facebook, you're looking at Instagram, you're looking online, you sit in front of the news and you just watch the news, watch the news, watch the news. Man, you are just, you are just soaking into the things of the here and now. What's it take to set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth? Do we have a mind that is bent towards the things that are eternal? Or do we have a mind that is sent truly fixed on the things that are temporary? <coughs> do we seriously look and say, God, this is only temporary? Or do we know this? Do we realize this? Or do we allow everything of today, everything from today, everything that is temporary, do we allow that to sit and soak into our spirit that just causes us to be at unrest, causes us to be anxious, causes us to fear, causes us to have, like, or do we say, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I gotta be done with that which is on the earth, man. How, like, truly, church, what would the percent be of you being heavenly minded? What is the percent be that you have fixed your mind on things above compared to your mind time of things here on the earth? See, a mature believer understands what it is that this is, this is not my home. No, this is, this is only temporary. Verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Man, when you understand I am dead to this world, I have been transferred out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
I know eternal life is forever. How do you, how do you wrap your mind around forever? Like, seriously, how is it that you could possibly wrap your mind around 100 million years is like the beginning? Like, like if you live to be 100, you're like, ah, that's old. Like, whoo, what a long life you lived. But what happens when you try to wrap your mind around forever? Someone kind of tried to make a picture of this, and they said, well, if you were to take this steel ball the size of the earth, and if you would have one small sparrow come down every 100 million years and sharpen his beak, and then he'd fly away, and then he would, that small sparrow would come back and sharpen his beak every 100 million years, by the time that small sparrow would be able to bring that steel ball that's the size of the earth down to a BB, that would be like day one. Church, how is it that we can wrap our minds around forever? But in faith, we do realize that, man, life is temporary and life is short. And we're supposed to fix our mind, set our mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Come on, if you turn over to the 2 Corinthians, please. I want you to see this. This goes a little deeper in this. And I want you to have a, an awareness of this. And th this is, I think, where it's at because I want us to be, be, be so strong in Christ and growing in our maturity. Hear me now, that we, that we, that we realize that life is short. You, you turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to turn to Psalms for a minute. I want to read this. This came to me in the first service, and I'm going to read this to you. It's Psalm 39. And what happens when, I want you to hear this, what happens when you have not a fear of death, please hear me, but an awareness of it? There's a difference. When, again, mature believer realizes, biblically speaking, you see it in James 4, you see it in Psalm 144, you see it throughout the, the book of Job, you see it throughout the book of Psalms. We are told on repeat, God makes it very clear, your life here on earth is a blink, it's a vapor, it's a shadow. It's a breath. Like when, when you, as a mature believer, realize, okay, God, I get it. You've said that Old Testament. You've said that New Testament. What happens when that sinks into my spirit? When I, when I really understand, even James 4 says, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds, James 4. For your life is like a vapor, James 4, 14. And when, when you realize that, 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 please hear me, that's not supposed to cause a fear in us but it causes an awareness in us to say, if I truly am living for my leaving, where I know that my life here on earth is short and I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, what I'm doing today, it matters. How I value time, it matters. How I value relationships, it matters. How I value Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, it matters today. That's what maturity does. I'm not in fear of death, but I have an awareness, biblically speaking, I am not guaranteed tomorrow. And when that sinks in, that doesn't cause fear. That causes an awareness to do a mighty work for him. Psalm 39. I just want to read this, please. While you are at 2 Corinthians. Psalm 39, it says this, 4 and 5. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days and let me know how transient I am. I love this. Transient means temporary or brief. 
Like, God, help me to know this. God, if I know that I am temporary, if I know that I am brief, I'm not going to be living for, I'm not putting all of my eggs in the basket of here and now. I realize that there is a forever. I realize even what Pastor Jerry spoke from our offering today, I need to lay up treasures that are in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Like, like I need to know that what I do here has an eternal impact and eternal effect. God, I know how transient I am. I know that I am temporary. I know that I am brief. I know that I am short-lived. And let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as a hand breath. All of my days are like from here to here. A hand breath. That's what a hand breath is. And my lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. So what do you do this? What do you do with this as a mature believer? If I am walking in my maturity, I'm walking truly as a disciple of Christ and I'm growing as a disciple of Christ and I'm learning, I realize, okay, uh, life can be short. And at times like we have, we have had such tragedy here in this church as of recent, at times when life is short, you really feel like even in knowing that it still wasn't long enough, I wanted more time. I wanted more time. But what happens with a mature believer that we can truly handle death differently? We see it differently. We grieve, we sorrow, we hurt, we're broken. And in all of that, is our moments to lean in to our faith and to lean in to our King and to lean in to the Holy Spirit who is our comforter, that God does heal the brokenhearted. It's not these moments to back away from faith. It's these moments to lean in with everything we've got. Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you that you are my comforter. Like it's in these moments that we draw from our faith. We don't walk away from our faith. We lean into it because we handle death differently. And what happens, look at this in, in 2 Corinthians. Well, I want you to just, we've got to understand this. Verse, verse 16, it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our out, though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed. I love this, day by day. Church, what happens when you just take this verse and say, okay, <clears throat> this, these are that marks of a mature believer that I understand my outer man, my outer man is decaying. Like, like you, you don't get, Younger as you get older on the outside. On the, like, it's not that reverse nonsense, right? You don't get younger as you get older on the outside. As my outside, the physical outside, this tent that I have, the outside is decaying. Something opposite should be, watch this now, should be happening on the inside. Your inside, my soul and my spirit is maturing. What happens when your soul begins to grow? Your maturity begins to grow. Your thinking, as we covered last week, begins to mature and grow from a biblical mindset. What happens when your spirit and your soul are gaining strength? They're actually getting stronger from the inside out. Listen, the outside shell, we know it, man. We understand it. The older you get, unfortunately, the worse it gets. Unfortunately, at times, right? That's the way it works. But what happens at the same time, this is amazing, at the same time that the, the outside is decaying, the in, something's happening on the inside that your soul is maturing and your soul is growing and your soul and your spirit are becoming stronger spiritually. That, watch this, the mark of a mature believer that you can handle death differently because I handle it from the inside. My soul is strong. My spirit is strong. Watch what he says. He, he, he goes deeper in this. Watch this. Therefore, we, we do not lose heart. I love that. We're, we're called to build courage. 
I, I realize the outside's getting older, but I'm not going to lose heart because I know I'm getting stronger on the inside. Although the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension, like beyond all comparison. I love this. When you understand Paul is saying momentary light affliction, like what would you consider momentary light affliction? Compared to, again, mature believer Paul trying to grow up this church in maturity to see things through a biblical perspective, momentary light affliction cannot even compare to the eternal weight of glory. Weight means that which is heavy, that which is deep. That eternal, that is forever, that deep glory. Glory means that which is brilliant, that which is radiant, that which is excellent, that which carries the spark of authority. That's what this word glory means. It is his brilliance and his illuminance. And he says, this temporary light affliction, which is speaking my time here on the earth, no matter what we have to face, no matter what we have to go through, our time here on the earth, temporary light affliction. And my brother, my brother Paul, Brother was whipped five times without number. He was just shredded. He was stoned, left for dead. Left him in the middle of the street, bleeding, thought he was dead. Got up, went to another city, started preaching again. Like, Paul, like, Paul, like, momentary light affliction. I'm like, really? Brother was shipwrecked. Brother was abandoned. He was left alone. Momentary light affliction. Could you imagine his perspective. No, he had set his mind. He's the one who gave us Colossians. He understood what it was to set his mind on things above and not on things of the earth. He had this beautiful, deep picture of glory that he could say, momentary light afflictions. Even though I'm hurting on the outside, even though I'm decaying on the outside, man, my inside is growing stronger and being renewed day by day. I'm growing on the inside. And man, I, I, I sat with a bunch of men this week and we went over eternal life and different things and went over some verses and I kind of asked them. I said, okay, I just want you to close your eyes. We're going to take a couple minutes and when you picture forever and when you picture eternal life, what is one word or two word that define what you see? Like, how is it that in your spirit you could, in a word, define forever, eternal life with Jesus? When you picture what it means to go home, what would that word be? And they gave some amazing answers. My word was glory, based off of this verse. I believe when, when we get home, it is going to be glorious. It is going to be bright. It is going to be illuminating for the new heaven and the new earth. According to Revelation 20, 21, you begin to see where there's not even a sun that is necessary because Jesus is so illuminating and bright. Like there's just so much. And I just think, oh God, eternal life forever with you. It will be glorious and illuminating and bright and brilliant and excellent. And, and all of these words that, are encapsulated in one word called glory. That's how Paul saw it. That's how Paul saw it. And when you begin to train your brain and you begin to set your mind on things above, that's how we get to see it. When you realize, man, the things on this earth are just temporary. All the crazy, all the wrong, and everything that's taking place, 
crazy, temporary. And all of that, people need Jesus. And all of that, people need Jesus. I want you to, I want you to see this. It says this. Chapter 5, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to continue this. It says this. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, and amazing that he speaks of the body, your physical body, the shell that we live in as a tent. Like no one lives in a tent permanently. No one should live in a tent permanently. A tent, watch this, a tent was never built for permanent housing. A tent was never built for permanent housing. And when you biblically can see, wait a minute, um, I really have to believe that life here on earth is that temporary. That the Bible defines my body even as a tent. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house, and torn down means, means death. We have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I realize that when my tent is done, when I'm done living in this shell, I have this forever home that was, that was not built with hands. When Jesus said, listen, I have gone to prepare a place for you, John 14. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. Jesus himself gone to prepare a place for us. He says, listen, eternal in the heavens, for indeed in this house, we groan longing to be clothed with our dwelling place from heaven. In this house, this tent that is temporary, we long to be home to our eternal home. You see, a mature believer will handle death differently. A mature, a mature believer will look to that which it is to go home. I want you to see this. Verse 6 says this, Therefore, being always of good courage, there it is again, to be built up, to be of good courage. To be built up, to be of good courage. Verse, chapter 4, verse 16, do not lose heart. Chapter 5, verse 6 says, therefore, being always of good courage. And again, this is about the, the temporary versus the eternal. This is about what happens when we lose this body, this tent, and we gain eternal life. Like, when we see that, the Bible says, be of good courage, right? Don't lose heart in that. Mature believer is trained. I'm not going to lose heart in that because I know, man, I realize life is short. I'm going home. I have eternal life. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, that's here, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. For, here it is again, verse 8. For we are of good courage. Highlight that again. For we are of good courage. And I say and prefer rather to be absent from this body, which he calls a tent, and to be home with the Lord. Church, we've got to get this, man. We've got to understand, man, this is not our home. If we look at this place as our home, we miss it. We miss it. This is temporary. This is tent life for the believer. This is tent life. I'm living in a tent. It's temporary. It was never meant to house me permanently. Oh, I have a place made for me, not by human hands. I've got a place made for me by the king himself, by Jesus, that's gone to prepare a place for me. And I love this, that when I understand this and I walk in this, I realize, man, this is temporary. My body's just a tent. I have an eternal home that is waiting for me. And I love what Paul says, we walk by faith. This is huge. We quote this all the time. Let's put it in context. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. When is it that the eternal, we don't need faith for the eternal? When we're home with Jesus, when we realize, okay, absent from this body, this is what Paul says. I'd prefer to be absent from this body. He knows there's work to be done. But he's like, I'd prefer to be absent from this body because Paul knew, he knew, I will be home with the Lord. Church, there is such a security and there is such a hope to realize for the believer, as soon as your soul leaves this body, you're in the very presence of Jesus and you are now home. You are now home. But what happens, what happens in our work here on the earth if we have a true, healthy, eternal perspective? C.S. Lewis, if you could put up the one longer quote from C.S. Lewis, I want you to see this. This is what C.S. Lewis said, and, and I love it because there's some, there's some, some meat to this. And he says this, C.S. Lewis says this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world, that's the here and now, the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Watch this. It is since Christians who have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Let me read it again. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians who have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have come to be so ineffective in this. Church, when you truly have a true biblical perspective of heaven and heaven is constantly before your mind and you, are know, and you know this life is short, life is temporary. What I do here on the earth, it matters. What I do today, it matters. People need Jesus. They are desperately, hopelessly lost if they don't have Christ. There is an eternal life waiting for them and it's called the wrath of God. Biblically speaking, it's called the wrath of God in a place called hell. We need to be desperately seeking people, loving people, caring for people, staying firm on the Word of God because people need Jesus. Why? Because we have the right perspective of heavenly mindset. We have the right perspective of that which is forever eternal to realize if someone here on the earth rejected Christ, never made that decision to be born again, received the free gift of salvation, if they have rejected that, we realize, man, when death happens for you, you will see the wrath of God. Church, we need to be diligent to do everything we possibly can do while here on the earth in the very short time that we have to win as many people as possible for the gospel. Can we say amen to that? Amen? Come on, I love it. I love it. See, what happens when, what happens when you have a, a true different perspective when it comes to going home? What happens when you, when you begin to realize that, man, when a loved one has passed and they knew Jesus, yes, we grieve. But we handle it differently. We know that they now live. There's a great story of a, 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 a coach of old named Lou Little from Columbia University when they had good football. And Lou Little was his coach, and they had a good football program, and there was this tryouts and they had their scholarships and then they had their walk-ons and there was this there was this one young man and he walked on and and he tried to play football and he's trying to play football and the coach is like man he's just he's not going to make this squad for he's just not he doesn't got the juice for my football team 
But there's something different about this kid. And the coach, he liked what he saw in this young lad. And he liked what he saw in this young man. And he's like, you know what? He's not going to play a play on the field, but I need him on the bench. He can do something to my bench. He has this quality to inspire others. He has this quality to encourage others. He brings life to wherever he goes. This is how Lou saw this, this player. He's like, ah, he's not, football, not his game. But he knows how to inspire people. He's like, he's my bench. I'm going to bring him on the team to be on the bench. And, and he began to just fall in love with this kid. Like he saw this kid, knowing he's not going to play football, but he saw how he inspired others. He saw how he encouraged others. He saw that he was the life on the bench. And this coach just began to fall in love with this kid. And what he loved most was when this kid's dad would come to the campus. He loved how he honored his father. He loved how this kid adored his dad. He saw that they would go to the chapel. He knew that they had great faith. And he saw how they would walk arm in arm through campus. And, and the coach was like, oh, I love their relationship. What a special relationship. They would just walk arm in arm and they would go build their faith in the, in the campus chapel. And he just, he fell more in love with this kid off of his adoration for his father. And then the phone call came and it came to the coach saying the young lad's father had passed. And we would like you to tell him. So he comes to the young lad and says, son, your, your father has, has passed. And the son took some time off and he went and did the funeral and he, and he came back and, it, and he came back early and the coach was like, man, you didn't have to come back, but like whatever you need because he came back before the biggest game of their year. The biggest game of their year. And he says, son, whatever you need, man, we're here to help you. Can I help you with anything? And the, and the, and the kid says, put me in the game, coach. I want to start. And the coach is like, oh, 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 whoo, like, dude, you know, in his heart, he's like, man, this, this is the, like, as a coach, you're like, oh, we got to win. Like, this is a big game. Like, this is, this ain't scrimmage. You know, the coach is thinking like, this is a, this is a big game. Coach Little is like, I don't know. But he's like, you know what? I said that I would do anything for him. He says, you know, in his mind, he's saying, I'm, I'll only put him in for a first couple of plays and then we'll get to get back to get back to football. And he puts him in the first play of the game on defense. This kid gets through the line and just smashes the guy with the ball for a loss. Coach is like, did you see that? What was that? I'm going to leave him in for another play. Bang, goes through the line, smokes the guy with the ball. The coach is like, who is this kid? They ended up leaving him in on defense for the whole game. They actually claimed that this kid won the game for him. And the team voted him most outstanding, outstanding player of the game. Crazy scene. Celebrating, and the coach just comes over to him and said, Son, what was that? Like, where was that all year? Like, what was that? What happened? And the son looked at his coach and said, Coach, the thing that nobody ever knew on this campus about my father is that he was blind. And today is the first day that he's ever seen me play football. Church, the kid got it. Listen, I'm not in the theology of, you know, a cloud of witnesses and everyone's watching us here on the earth. I, I'm not really sold on that. I don't really think that. We can talk about that another time. Um, but the story reigns true. A true story reigns true. The kid handled death differently because he knew, he knew absent from this body was to be home with the Lord. Absent from this body is to be home with the Lord. 
Do we live like that? Believer's Chapel, do we live like that? Are we mature in our faith to really believe? I need to handle death differently. I need to to understand the glory of eternal life. I have to understand everything in this this world. If I die as a believer, everything, 100% gain. Listen, you lose nothing in death as a believer. You gain everything. So when we see it biblically right, we see it as, listen, death is not a loss for a believer. Yes, here on the earth, Yes, we grieve. Yes, we sorrow. Yes, we hurt. Yes, we're broken. All good and healthy, and you need to go through that process. Jesus wept as Lazarus was passed. He understood death, knowing he's going to raise him up in four days. He got that. So there's nothing wrong with the grieving on the earth. But when we truly understand a biblical truth of death and eternal life, it's 100% gain. And the one who was passed from this life to the next as a believer is 100% gain and has lost nothing, but has gained everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what is our mindset around eternal life as a mature believer? And again, this, this series, I want us to grow. I want us to be discipled. I want us to, to, to mature I want our souls to be stronger. I want us to see things biblically truth. And what is it to be able to set your mind on things above? What is it to understand eternal life? 1 John 5, 12 is very clear. It's just so simple. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Come on, we got a minute. Turn with me, please, to 1 John. I want you to see this. Because I want to give you some scripture on evangelism. Because I want to be a church that's on the move. I want to be a church that lives like eternity is around the corner. I want to be a church that, 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 Paul would be speaking to when we have that eternal perspective and realize we have a very short time to reach as many people as we possibly can reach. We want to see husbands come to Christ. We want to see husbands lead their families. We want to see men be men again. We want to see husbands lead their wives. We want to see wives walk in that beautiful, beautiful willingness to to serve and willingness to submit to their husbands in a biblical picture. We want to see children honor and, and have great reverence for their parents, for their mom and dad. We want to see the family unit as God defined and described and created the family unit to function. We want to see that again. And we want people to come to know Christ. We want families to come to know Christ. We want children through Kingdom Kids, through VBS, through, through Voyagers, through Glow, through Flourish, through Breakaway to build such a foundation on God's Word that they have the proper picture of forever. They have the proper picture of what it is that I have a forever to live. Anything here on this earth is just a blink. It's a breath. What happens if you had teenagers that function in a mindset that life, as a teenager, they realize life is short. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I need to live for Jesus today. 
If he gives me tomorrow, I will live for him tomorrow. If he gives me Friday, I'm going to live for him on Friday. What happens when we become that church that has that right picture of eternal life and we get busy to win as many people to Christ as possible, but yet we're growing ourselves. We're walking in discipleship ourselves. We're seeing God do a mighty work. But one of the marks of a mature believer is they have the proper eternal perspective. Life is short. My body is temporary. My soul is forever. And I want my soul to mature. And I want my soul to be stronger. And I want to be so busy for him, I don't want to get caught up on the things of today. First John 5, if you're there, it says this, verse 11. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Jesus in John 10 says, I'm the door. Jesus in John 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but through me. John 10, he says, listen, I'm the door, and the sheep only come through me. You can't go over the fence. You can't go under the fence. You can't go around the fence. You're coming through the gate, and Jesus is the gate. One way. One way leads to eternal life. One way leads to eternal life. Life is in his Son. Verse 12, he who has the Son has the life. Isn't it amazing that this just makes it so simple? The Father never made salvation complicated. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. But the wrath of God will be on him. So, so when, you, when you have this biblical mindset to say, hold on, like, it's only Jesus, and if I have Jesus, I have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believeth in him shall not perish, wrath of God, but have eternal life, have everlasting life. It's over and over and over and over and over through the Scriptures. When you see how many times Scripture speaks about hope and heaven together, it's over 300 times over 300 times, hope and eternal life. Hope and eternal life. Hope and eternal life. We got to stop with all the temporary and get on to the eternal mindset. And that's going to bring hope. And what hope does, hope brings healing. Please hear me. Walking through many families who are broken, I constantly say, listen, hold on to hope because hope can bring healing. 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 Come on, Hebrews 6. We'll close with this, please. And this is where we see that hope can bring healing when you allow hope to be your anchor. This is such an incredible picture. This is such an incredible picture of an anchor. What happens when you anchor your ship? What happens when you anchor your boat? Like you, you drop that anchor. And that anchor, it sticks and it holds you in a specific place. 
See, I see the anchor is one that when, it, when, when the storm comes and you drop that anchor, when the wind comes, you know what that wind does? It causes, most anchors are at the front of the boat, right? Uh, that causes that anchor to hold and then that boat swing around and it faces the storm. See, what happens when you anchor down, it causes you not to drift. You're not going to go with every wind and wave. No, my hope, it's anchored me down. Hope, it means a confident expectation. Nope, I am confident. I have this expectation. And in that, I'm anchored. I'm secure. I'm good. You know, what about this? I'm anchored. What about this? Nope, the anchor is secure. The anchor is deep. The storm has come. I'll face the storm. The anchor is deep. Now, my hope is in place. My hope is in place. Come on, Hebrews 6, verse 17, it says this. In the same way, God desiring, I love this, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, that's us, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath. Oath. There's a promise and there's an oath. God makes a promise. God makes a pledge. God makes a promise. God make, makes a pledge. And before this, he references Abraham and the promise that he made. Abraham being the father of many nations. And he will bless him and he will multiply him. And that was a covenant that he made with Abraham and saw that through. And we are truly children off of that promise and off of that covenant. Now watch this. I want you to see this. Heirs of the promise. That's us. The unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his pledge, in which it is impossible for God to lie, who we have, I love this, watch this, who we, we have taken refuge, we have put ourselves in this place of shelter, would have a strong encouragement. Isn't it amazing that we see it once again when the Bible's referencing eternal life? There is strong encouragement. There is do not lose heart. There is take good courage. Church, eternal life should be something that brings hope to our soul. Eternal life, when spoken on, when thought on, it should do something beautiful to our spirit that brings us great hope, that brings us great courage, that has us to stay strong. You, you see it throughout Scripture. It is this beautiful pattern that you see from Scripture, that when it's referencing eternal life for my salvation, which is eternal life, there is this courage that gets built up. There is this strong encouragement that takes place. No, my heart, watch this, I will not lose heart. I will not lose heart. Please hear me. This is where, this is where the mark, watch this, please hear me. This is where the mark of a mature believer handles death differently. Because I have been around many who have lost a wife or lost a loved one or even lost a child. And I see them, and it's beautiful. I see them just lean in. Lean into the Holy Spirit. And they lean into their faith. And they allow God to comfort them, holding on to knowing the promise of everlasting life. 
knowing and, and holding on to the promise of absent from this body was to be home. Knowing, ah, I knew that it wasn't going to be forever that we would be together. I knew sometimes, some way, it's a possibility. Not that I'm in fear of it, but I'm aware of it that it's possible that one of us would leave or go home to be with Jesus before Jesus returns. It's possible. And when you're aware of that, you lean into your faith. It becomes an anchor. That's the mature believer. Man, church, I've seen the opposite as well. For those who haven't had the proper eternal life perspective, that when, when a loved one passes, they do the opposite. They walk away from faith. They say, I'm done with this. I don't want anything more to do with it. And they begin to lose hope. And when you let hope go, the anchor gets loose. When you allow hope to slip away, the anchor loosens. And to realize I'm going to hold on to that hope. And then holding on to that hope, that's my anchor. It's going to drive me to lean in because God will heal the brokenhearted. We handle death differently. We handle death differently. He says this, for we who have taken refuge would have a strong encouragement to take hold of the hope. Take hold of, grasp it. Take hold means it's an aggressive, it's an aggressive Greek word means grasp and not let go. That we would take hold of aggressively, like the whole death grip, right? Aggressively hold on to hope. That is set before us, and that is speaking of Jesus, our salvation that leads to eternal life. This is speaking about our eternal life, our forever, that is set before us. We know that that is before. We know that that's going to happen, and we hold on to that. We don't let go of that. And then this is what it says. For this hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. A hope, this hope is sure and it is steadfast. Right? It is pure. It is steadfast. It is immovable. This is where our hope lies. As a mature believer, you have this great, beautiful picture of eternal life. You have that which is set before us, that which is Jesus, salvation, and everlasting life. I know, and I get it. This life is short. I get it. This life is a breath. I get it. I have to see my life as that which I live in this tent. And nothing is permanent here on the earth. I live in a temporary state because that which I will live forever. And if that is our mindset, it motivates us and it pushes us and it compels us to serve the king like life is temporary. To serve the king like we may not have tomorrow. Not in fear, but in an awareness of it. Church, what is it if the church comes alive in this understanding that life is short and life is temporary? We're never called to live for ourselves, but to live for him. Man, there's so much that would change. And I want that for this house. And I want that for this church. And I want us to be strong in what it means that my hope is sure and it's steadfast and peace. People need Jesus.
Come on, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Come on, if we could just stand to our feet, please. Again, I don't know where you're at. If you could just close your eyes, man. I'm not sure where you're at this morning, if you truly have a relationship with Christ or if you understand what it means to be born again. But I believe God, by His Spirit, was working here this morning and just speaking on eternal life, man. I can't get out of this place without letting you know God loved you so much that He sent His only Son, put Him on a cross to deal with the sin issue. The Bible says the wages of sin equals death. For all have sinned, I'll fall short of the glory of God. The Bible is just so clear. Every single person who's ever breathed swims in the same pond of sin. And that sin, it equals a separation from God. And God fixed that sin issue. The only way possible that his innocent son would be the payment for that sin one time and forever to pay for our sin. That if we truly believe and trust that Jesus Christ was a sacrifice for the sin, for my sin and the sin of the world, that I would repent from sin, turn away from sin, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is. He is truly the Son of God, that he is God himself on a cross, put himself on that cross to pay my penalty of sin, that I rightfully deserve death. But Jesus took the hit for me. And then in this moment, I just surrender my life. I surrender my life. Jesus, I give up. Jesus, I surrender to you. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I repent from my sin. I acknowledge, Jesus, you're the only answer. I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. I give up. I surrender to you. Let your spirit come and invade my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In this moment, I turn my life to you that I may know that I have eternal life. Or maybe you're in this place and you're like, I just know I need to set my mind more on things above. I have been so consumed with the things of this world. It's time to let a lot of that stuff go and be consumed with eternal life. Fix your eyes on that which is above. Don't get so caught up in the temporary. Get stuck on the eternal. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for our moment. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege to get into your word together and to study it and to grow and become followers and disciples of you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Hey, come on, if anybody needs prayer for any reason or you want to talk more Jesus, we love to talk about Jesus. Please come up front, my left, your right. We would love to pray over you. We'd love to talk about Jesus. Car wash is happening. Go get in line. And we are so thankful for you. Come on, God bless.